and I say this to people, not just in football, outside of football, at work, um, and you could take this pretty much to any situation, is to learn a little bit more than a little bit about a lot. You are now tuning in to the Roughnecks Podcast with your host, Cole Nixon. Much love. One last thing before we get into today's episode. A lot of people ask how they can support the podcast. Well, I have a couple easy ways. The first way is just listen and subscribe. And another thing you can do is go follow the Roughnecks podcast on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube as well. If you get something out of today's show, then do me a favor. Share it with a friend. If you really want to go above and beyond to support the podcast, then head over to roughnextpodcast.com and get you some of that merch. I appreciate all of the support, but let's get into today's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. Uh, before we dive into today's guest, I just want to remind you guys of a couple things. First, we are doing a giveaway. As some of you know, we have Q&A Fridays on any episode that ends in a zero. So that's like, I believe we have 130 coming up. Uh, 130, 140, any episode that ends at a zero is Q&A Friday, where me and a guest will sit there and answer your questions from the fans. We are doing a giveaway for people who send in questions before next um, Q&A Friday episode, which it was we're getting recorded October 30th, probably. Um, and if you send in a question to roughneckspodcast at gmail.com, you're automatically entered into that giveaway before October 30th. Um, so send in your questions. It's very open-ended questions. It could be questions about literally anything. I don't care if it's what is your favorite color. I don't care if it's a super dark, deep question. Ask any type of question um, and it will get answered on Q&A Friday. The other thing is that we are also doing having a little design contest. The fall merch drop is happening in November, which is just next month. I want to release a shirt that is designed by the fans. So come up with a cool design that correlates with the podcast and Email that design over to info at roughneckspodcast.com. Entries for that will close on October 28th, and the winner will be announced on Monday, October 31st. All of the proceeds from the design winner's shirt will be donated to a charity of your choice. So, but getting into today's episode, I'm super happy about the guests I have coming on today. Um, but without further ado, Reno Rita, welcome to the Roughnecks Podcast. Cool. Thanks, man. Uh, happy to happy to be on. Thanks for reaching out. Let's do this. I'm excited about this because you know it. We didn't actually go to high school together. I think you graduated the year before because you were part of uh, Jake. Uh, I can't even remember his last name at the moment. Uh, Jacob Sanders. Sanders. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was a year younger than I was. Oh, was he? Okay. So yeah. yeah. He, he was the last class that graduated right before I became a freshman. So you actually play with my brother, though, I believe, correct? Yeah, he was a senior when I was a freshman. So you know how it, how it worked with uh, Watkins. Mm-hmm. Freshmen stayed sort of 
separate and then seniors mm-hmm. went on, but no, nah, no, nah, Colt or uh, Clayton's a good dude. And like, like we were just talking about beforehand, I, I keep seeing him, keep having him come over, fix stuff for me too. So he's actually been on this podcast. It was, uh, he was, I believe, the first ever drinking episode that we did on this, uh, because I've <laughs> hold my beer episodes and I believe he was the first one that did it. And uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun being able to do a podcast with your brothers also i've done it with my sisters as well it's just it's kind of cool like this podcast where it's gone i never would have thought i'd be recording with my siblings but it ended up happening hey right on take it but i like to kick off every episode allowing the guests to give a background on themselves because i could never do a good enough job um so just kind of tell the roughnecks listeners who don't know who you are who reno rita is yeah so um like you said, my name is Rena Rita. I grew up here or in Pataskla, Ohio. I uh, went to Watkins Memorial. Played high school or uh, played football there. Played baseball there. I, I wrestled a little bit in middle school. Um, after high school, went on and played football at Kent State. Played there for five years. Redshirted my first uh, year in. Um, had a phenomenal time. I, I played. Or I guess in high school, I was sort of a defensive end tight end um kicker punter i was the they moved me in a tackle sometimes and then uh at kent state uh which we we can get into a little bit but they kind of i i wouldn't say tricked me a little bit but they're they're the ones who who offered me a little bit more flexibility because a lot of the places i I was getting recruited at um, mostly just all the mac schools they're saying oh we want you to play offensive line i did not want to play offensive line like i did not want to do it um, and Kent's like, eh, we don't really know what we want you to play. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to roll with these guys. Um, so when played at Kent, it ended up sure enough on the offensive line, um, which is great. Started four years of left tackle, um, played some phenomenal schools, went through that. Uh, then I have three kids now, uh, ages um, almost six, three, and two. So we are, we are busy. I'm married to Brittany. Um, she was, we were high school sweethearts. So since, since high school, you know, made it this far. So how to, you know, how to ring her up. So here, here we are, three kids later. Um, but yeah, now, now I'm working full time at uh, NetJets, which is the world's largest private jet company. Is where, is where I'm at now. I've been there since high school or since uh, college ended. So a little over six years, give or take. Um, then also, Brittany and I do a little side gig on the side. We're both personal trainers. Uh, we start our own personal training company. Uh, just because that's that's what I went to college for was for was human movement kinesiology is what I graduated with and then just sort of carried over through the f- football ages. Um, I did a lot of internships with our strength program, um, so that that's been a passion of mine. And what we'll see where it goes. So far, it's it's starting to really take off uh, at the moment. So who who knows what could happen here in the future? We're gonna kick it off, you know, with all of that. We're gonna probably dive into every bit of what you just said but the first thing i want to talk about is the whole you know the kent state thing and kind of take me through you kind of maybe mentioned it but why kent state why did because i'm always curious you know everybody especially i mean i just went to a d3 school but you know you always have like a certain reason why you pick the school you pick so why did you end up picking kent state yeah well i had i had most of the mac uh come in and offer me and to be honest with you if I was waiting on Ohio University to come in and throw me an offer, um, both my parents went to OU, uh, my sister went to OU, and, and my dad actually played football at OU. So um, I got to go to a lot of the like alumni events with him, 
and hang out. I got to meet all the coaches personally. I knew a ton of the coaches. Um, so as I'm getting recruited, I'm like, I want to go to OU. Uh, definitely want to go there. And then it just, it just never came. I went to every single one of their camps um, and nothing came of it. You know, that's here nor there. But, and then Kent came along and it was really interesting. Um, coach Hazel, he was the head coach out that way and um, getting recruited by him. He was probably the most business oriented coach person that I've dealt with uh, before. And he was just so serious, but he was so lighthearted and, and truly understood where I was coming from. Was coming from a school that, you know, didn't have any prior division one um, athletes coming out of it. So I was completely fresh. I had no idea how this worked, how, you know, scholarship works at the, at the division one level, anything. Um, and then the coach who actually recruited me was Marcus Freeman, uh, former Buckeye, and now he's the head coach at Notre Dame. And so he'd be the one coming in into the, the high school, pulling me out of class, kind of talking with me. Him and I got a really good relationship, um, just better than the other coaches that came in from like Akron or BG or any, any of those guys. Um, and then I went on a uh, official visit up at camp, and they just welcomed me so much. The the incoming freshmen there as well um, were great. I immediately connected with those guys, so I knew. It felt right. Kent felt really good. And um, then in high school, I started, uh, I played a couple of the all-star games, played in the North-South game. And a couple of those guys got there. We're going to Kent too. immediately became friends with them. Um, North-South game, then the Big 33, where it's like Ohio versus Pennsylvania type thing. Again, bunch of Kent guys. And that's actually where I met my roommate, um, Anthony Melchiori. He was, <laughs> funny story about him. He was a Two or two or three times state um, wide receiver, first team all state wide receiver, and he went to Kent and he punted. He was our punter, um, <laughs> fastest dude ever. But him and I became roommates. We were roommates all four years. Uh, but Kent, yeah, that, that's really the main reason. The coaches who came after me, the official visits, the guys who who I met on that, um, and, and it felt right. And they were on a roll. They they were just getting started. Everything was they had really good momentum. So I knew going in there was it was going to be a good choice. You mentioned the whole walk ins like you know we, that's the thing about you. Everybody knew about you because of the fact like especially younger, I can speak for but like because you were like the one D one guy that actually went from walk ins from a football that we. I mean I can't I don't even know if if there has been another one and like that I can remember, but like most you know. I remember too, like my class, like we had like eight of us on signing day, you know, Ohio Wesleyan, Worcester, um, Ash, a couple of the Ashland, some ODU and some stuff like that. But like, I want to say that I was the only one who, not to toot my own horn, but I was the only one who stuck it out all four years, played all four years. And there's different, like, you know, everybody has their own circumstances, things happen, but like it, it's Watkins is not known to send big college athletes, like, you know, high college athletes, like to D1 schools. And you were just one of the ones that I think a lot of people looked up to on the young, like from our younger classes because of the fact that, like, you know, it made it seem for sometimes I feel like people thought it was like impossible to get out of walk in and go D1. When the reality is, is like you have to put in the work. It's, it, it's not easy per se. And because, like you said, like, nobody really knows how to deal with it at walk-ins because it's not something that 
they've really been through. It's not, you don't have it a whole lot, but you were kind of an inspiration to, I feel like a lot of the younger kids, like, all right, he can go do one. Like it's something that is possible. It kind of gave people faith, gave people hope that it is something that is possible to do. Yeah. And that's, and that was a big thing, just trying to be a trailblazer for it. And and really, because like I said earlier, I, I had no idea how it worked. Like when they called me and they're like, Hey, we want to offer you a scholarship. I'm like, okay, how much? And they're like, no, 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 it's, it's a division one scholarship. Like it's a full ride. I like, I literally had no idea how any of it worked. Um, so it, it was, it was cool. And it, and it's cool just seeing the, the younger guys, like you said, um, and just, just talking about it and, and expectations because I, I coached, uh, for walking for a little while too. And, setting the proper things like kids will be like well i just want to play offense i just want to play defense i just want to do this like the, if you're in high school and you're trying to make it you play all you don't come off the field like there if you have a chance to get on the field you better be on the field there is no one-way athletes unless you you know you're a stud quarterback or something um but there there is no one way in, in order to make especially in high school and at a, especially at a smaller school you got to stand out having a two-way you know, sort of mindset and showing coaches that you could play both ways and be on the field for a lot of times. It's just going to make you stand out. Um, but it's cool to see a ton of the younger. I try to make it to as many games as I can. It's tough with the kids and just being around those guys too. Um, coaching was phenomenal. Uh, I coached three years for Watkins, uh, then took another position at my job. So that kind of cut me out of the coaching aspect of it. It was so much fun, man. It, it I, I, I say it all the time, you know, you can take all the big games that I played, um, like the, the Alabamas, the LSUs, the house States, like I would trade those in if I could go back and play Friday night lights again, like that. There's it, nothing better. It's, it, it is something crazy. It. Like, it's something that you experience and you right. can't even explain the feeling that you get when you play on a Friday night. Cause I'll never forget my first, like being a sophomore, I was lucky enough. The first game, I think we played like, Briggs or somebody, one of the Columbus schools that honestly wasn't very good, and we were beating them, but not like killing them at halftime. And I remember Warrington coming up to me and goes, "Hey, you're going in at will." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> like I was just a sophomore <laughs> replacing a junior, and the game wasn't like out of reach. And I was just like, "What just happened?" But I remember that feeling of going in on a Friday night, and it's just like when you're out there, and it, it is the most fun. Like I feel like i remember more stuff from friday night games than i do like saturday afternoon games in college i don't it's just because you grew up with those kids and you played with those kids for so long and you know them and like you like truly i feel like you have a better relationship like yeah you're around your college guys i feel like a lot more outside of football but it's just a whole different feeling playing on friday nights it, it really is and then because the, like our stands weren't huge but when they would fill up like it, there, there was no other feeling than being out there mm-hmm. under the lights you know it's the end of the week you know you you wear your jersey to school like all that kind of stuff it's it just the the build up all week it's so much fun it really is but you ended up getting redshirted your fir- uh, first year at kent state so kind of take me through i mean you probably didn't quite understand that either but like what's the redshirt process like like do they like why do they redshirt people like i feel like if you're a football-minded person, you understand why they redshirt people, but kind of like why they redshirted you and like how that went, like how that goes being a redshirt throughout the year. Yep. So um main reason I got redshirted is because I was way too light. 
to be an offensive lineman because again they they weren't really sure there's so many they weren't sure what they wanted me to play so all all winter all summer i'm out there running doing pass rush drills i'm doing um i'm running routes because uh, i don't know if i'm gonna go in at you know dn if i'm going to tight end what they're doing and i wasn't trying to gain weight um so i walked into ken at about two uh, i think it was 240 uh when i walked into ken and then they're like yep off it's a line you're gonna be a tackle i'm like all right and uh those first couple practices i was like these dudes are huge you know like it, in high school I'm, I'm used to being the do- i was used to being the dominant one I, I can you know it didn't matter who lined up against me like I, I was gonna win and then walking into Kent, i'm like oh these guys are d1 players too and they're a lot bigger now and they've had experience these are these are true like they're grown-up men and um so yeah i was real light so that Red shirt year was just gain as much weight as I possibly could, get as strong as I could, um, as quickly as I can. Because I, I had an advantage. I was faster than a lot of the offensive linemen just because I was light. Um, but keep keep that. Just get strong. Learn the playbook a lot. So that that was really the big thing was gaining weight. Then also kind of learning the system. Um, so my red shirt year. So I didn't didn't get to travel being a red shirt. Um, so, uh, just kind of sat back, me and all the other redshirt guys, uh, would hang back and go to somebody's house or stay in the dorm or however it may be, watch the games from there. But we do everything else from practice to, uh, training table to meetings to like, we were included in everything. It's not like we were secluded from any of that, but, um, yeah, it was fun. That redshirt here was a blast, especially because we were, we were so good that year too. Uh, we went, we were ranked 17th in the nation at the time, and we were one game away from playing Florida in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, still bites to, to think about it. We were one one game away from that. Uh, we ended up going to a bowl game, played in the GoDaddy.com Bowl, so I got to travel down there uh, to Mobile, Alabama. Uh, I wouldn't recommend necessarily go down to Mobile unless you're from Mobile, uh, but it was a good, it was a good time. It was a really good time. I stayed down there for a week. Um, and they would just ship us out like normal practice for the week. And then every night they'd kind of give us buses and they say, all right, you're going downtown mobile. Like just be back on the bus at, you know, 1am and sort of have a good, have a good time. You guys earned it type thing. So it was fun. That was a real time, real first time I got to travel with the team was to the bowl game. Uh, but all the, you know, the home games, you still did everything. It, but as a redshirt freshman, you know, I'm holding pads. I got to earn my spot. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's a humbling experience getting used to um, what it takes to, to be a starter at the division one level. And I was fortunate enough that the offense, the starting offense line that year was practically all seniors and they just took me under, under their wing. They, they really did. And two of those guys ended up playing in the league for, Ooh, Brian winters probably played for, six to eight years um he's with the jets he's with buffalo um and then josh klein he ended up playing with the patriots he won a super bowl with the patriots so seeing how those guys operated and learning from them especially being so young i took everything in and i I really realized that it's not necessarily about being the biggest being the fastest being the strongest like a lot of it comes down to technique and knowing the game too um, my one of my favorite offensive line coach always said, like, to be a good football, to be a good football player, it starts from the top and the bottom. You got you got to be smart up top, and then you got to have good feet. 
regardless of what position you play, you got to have good feet. Uh, so if you got those two things, the rest can come along. So that's really what I, what I learned that, that tr- my uh, red shirt freshman year. Oh, and the thing is too, like you're never, a lot of us want to, like we all obviously want to come in as a freshman, start play every single game, but like, it's not that easy. Like I went to the D three and you know, I thought, Oh, I'm going to come in start and I'll be like, all good. And you get there and you're like, this is D three. And like, this is a lot different than high school. It's not the same. You need that learning curve. And I mean, you know, luckily that, D1 has that. I think D2 has it too, the red shirt option. D3 doesn't have that option. But the big thing is learning as quick as you can. And you brought up, you know, <clears throat> it's not about being the fastest. It's not about all that. Because I remember our our defensive backs coach said, like, since I've been here, I've always played for the some reason. Every one of my safeties has been the slowest slave safety I've ever <laughs> seen in my entire life. And that included myself. I'm not afraid to admit it. I ran like a four eight forty if I was lucky. And he was like, "But the thing is about the safeties that I've always played is they understand the defense. They have good hips, and it's like it's the technique. It's not about how fast you are, how hard you can hit. It uh, it always comes down to technique. It's the little things that always. And it doesn't matter in football. It, it's in life. It comes down to the little things that are important." Yep, absolutely. And now, and then once you figure out the game, once you start like slowing things down, once the game starts slowing down for you, then you can focus on getting a little bit bigger, getting a little bit faster, um, all that, and, and just sort of fine tune everything so you're ready. And and my calling was my my true freshman, my I guess my uh, um, redshirt sophomore year. They uh, I, I got my calling. Um, we had a guy go down. He he was actually at guard. Um, he went down, and my coach just kind of looked at me. He's like, "All right, Rita, get in there." And I'm like, "All right, here we go." And like, it, it's either was I ready for it, was I preparing for it, or was I not? And stepping in, and you just, I had to trust what I, what I had. I was totally undersized, especially moving in the guard uh, versus tackle. And uh, but just knowing that I prepared for it, knowing that I was working hard, and, and knowing that I was I was ready to compete, um, I didn't want to give it up either. So. I always remember Coach Warrington saying, you never, because like he'd always get so pissed when people were messing around during practice. So mad. Like if you were like, you know, we're going through the defensive, like whatever, going through defense and people were out there back there messing around. He goes, you never know when you're the next man up. Nixon could go down, tear his ACL. And I'm like, Coach Warrington, don't wait, wait, wait. <laughs> like, why would you say that? Don't even, like, that's not worth it. But he, he'd always say, you never know when you're next man up. And, you know, you, you get that where you always have to be ready. And in college, we always called it, you have to take mental reps, mental reps, mental reps. Stand on the sideline. You know, it doesn't matter if you're not in. You need to be watching because you need to know what the call is. Like, everybody's supposed to be looking at Coach D, our defensive coordinator, when he makes the call during practice. Then you need to watch and you need to think about, all right, if, you know, you need to make the calls. You need to do that. And it it's true because if you don't, then when you can, when you get that moment, you could fail miserably, and that moment might not come back again. Sometimes those moments only come once. You have to make the most of them. And obviously, you know, looking at your, I got your, um, not stats, but like your starts and everything from your years pulled up here. And like, obviously, you made the most of your time where, you know, somebody goes down, you made the most of it, and it, it definitely paid off in the end. Oh, yeah. And um, it's funny you bring up Coach Warrington because like he, 
he was really the guy who set the tone for me and i can say the same <laughs> and, and and doing the the mental reps man it really was he he would dissect their offenses down so much he's like all right they, they run you know this play 15 times and when they're in this formation they're gonna run this play and do this like what an advantage we had having that guy telling us what to do because i i'd go out on the games and i would know exactly where they were going to yeah. be i knew yeah. exactly what play was going to run they're like how like how did you get so many tackles it's like i didn't because i knew exactly what they were going to do like of course i'm going to get more tackles I'm to know what's when they line up in this formation they run this play 80 percent of the time <laughs> and sure enough they did like, he, his defensive breakdown like i got a bigger packet in high school than I did in college of like the <laughs> what the offense does. It's crazy. Like oh, it, you look at how much time he's had to have spent. Cause I mean, we don't, they only got like what three games of each opponent, but they like, he would break it down to, they run right this many times. They run left this many times. They run this play 13 times in the last three games. Like he knows it. It's like a science to him. Yeah. And it's, and it's crazy. Then, then going into college, it's like one step further. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, hey, when, um, you know, this D tackle, look, his, every time he's slanting inside, his knees cocked in. Mm-hmm. Or every time, you know, you'll slowly see the safety rolling over. Like, there are, <laughs> and our offensive line coach would be like, he's like, is our, is our wide receiver good enough for them to want to double cover him? And we're like, no. He's like, okay, then why would they roll over a safety? That, somebody's coming off the edge. Like, like, um, so just knowing the small details. Yeah, I see his knee cocked, and I see the linebacker sort of staggered. I know there's some sort of something's up. There's some sort of blitz coming this way. The safety's slowly rolling back into a cloud. I'm like, all right, like, I know what's coming. Um, and, and it's a, like people, I, I try to tell people that all the time is it's not necessarily about, just knowing, okay, I got to block him or I, I got to, you know, run this specific route. It's seeing the big picture um, be, because the more, the wider sort of gaze you see, the easier your one-on-one becomes. If that makes sense. The little things are the things that I started to pick it up in college because I remember we were playing uh, Wittenberg one time. I think it was Wittenberg. And it was, they had a, you know, pass run call that we, picked up in the like and during the first quarter where we realized if it was a run the offensive linemen were down in a three-point if it or the offensive tack the tackles were in a three-point if it was a pass they were in a two-point and like they didn't realize that we started picking up now we didn't know exactly like what play they were gonna run but we at least had a cue like all right he's in a two-point i need to be like as a safety we're like i need to be ready for a pass or you know and like the linebackers and stuff like everybody kind of had a cue and it it helped us win that game and it it's just you, you the little things going back to it the little things are the things that you got to pay attention to you got to put in the time you got to really work on because the little things are where it will start to help the big things oh yeah but, you hear it's, it's a game of inches it's a game of inches it's like it, it's really a game of inches like <laughs> it, it really is you know you take one little false step you're you're screwed you're you take um, or you make a one wrong, like you read the wrong key, like one little thing and you're, you're screwed. It's, that's why it's so fascinating. Like it, it is just a game, but it, it's so intricate and there's, there's so many little fine details to it, which makes it fun. So I wanted to ask too, was offensive line, like, obviously it wasn't something that you were prepared to necessarily go into, but like, how was that transition from being, you know, a 
multi-position athlete, but not really playing offensive line per se. Tight end, somewhat, but not still quite the same. What was that transition like, you know, going into college and, you know, at D1 college and having to transition from that type of player to a, like le- legit offensive guard, offensive tackle? It was it was interesting um, at first. Like my steps are always just way too big because I'm, I'm used to just firing out and like going out for a route and, mm-hmm. you know, just finding leverage, leverage points was big. Um, and pad level, you hear it all the time. Get your pads down, get low. Like uh, learning those things was the biggest. And, and just again, the leverages I think was the was the biggest thing. Knowing if I gotta you know block a guy out where where my leverage point is, where he can't go, where I gotta meet him to the to the spot before he gets there, type thing. Um, same with and pass protection was definitely my my best suit. I think just because I was able to move my feet pretty quick um, against some of those guys. But again, um, it's all about technique and it, it took a while to get, but then you kind of finally have an aha moment where you start to get it. And um, that that's really what happened. Cause in, in high school, like I wore two jerseys in, in high school. I don't even know if that's legal where yeah, I'd be. Is. Yeah. So I wore high school, I wore number 55. Um, and we'd like we'd run that uh, wing T offense. Mm-hmm. So when, when we we're doing that, I'd play tackle, but then we'd go into like a power offense, and I'd run off the field. And they had number eighty two. They they cut the sleeves off of number eighty two, and I'd go stand. <laughs> oh my god! Like I would I would stand <laughs> um, on the sideline. One of the coaches would jump up onto the bench and slide number eighty two on me. Then I'd run out, neither you know. Um, line up a tight end or I'd split out wide and they throw me the ball. Like, I don't know if that was legal or not, um, but uh, that, that's what we did. So the then transitioning in there, just fully number 55 was, um, felt good. Felt good to have one number going to college. <laughs> not having to run off the field and get a jersey thrown on and then run back. Yeah, off and off. <laughs> well, and then like, then I was our, our kicker too, but I, I had a, I was a, just a uh, toe blower. Mm-hmm. I remember watching you do Tobos. Oh my! Well, then Coach Seb went and bought me the uh, that like that the cleat. 1940s cleat, like with a flat tail on it. <laughs> so I'd do the kickoff, run off on the field, change my shoe, run back onto the defense. <laughs> but it was, it was ridiculous. And finally, I told him my senior, "I'm like, you got to get another kicker, man. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore." Ah, <laughs> uh, so you've obviously played like. You guys played a lot of like tough opponents. Um, who was one of the toughest teams that you can remember playing? Like, kind of list some of the teams you played, but uh, who do you think was like the, you know the toughest opponent that you guys had while you guys were at Kent State? Yeah, well, because we played. Um, let's see, we played like LSU. We played Alabama. Played Ohio State. Uh, played Illinois, Minnesota. So it was really a lot of Big Ten, SEC schools. Um, we'd go in and play, and by far, not even close, the best team that we played. And I hate to say this because I'm not that big of a Buckeyes fan, um, but it was Ohio State that year, and it was the year they won the national championship, uh, 2016. Well, that, makes sense. That, that really makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what sucked even worse is the week before was the week they lost to Virginia Tech. And oh, then yeah. we. And then we went and played them the, the following week. And we're kind of watching the TV, like, because we, we know we, we don't have that big of a chance, like, realistically. Like, we want to go into every game thing we're going to win, but we, we kind of know this is a big one. 
Um, and then they lost to Virginia Tech. We're like, oh, fuck, they're about to come in here and just do- throttle us. And sure enough, they did. Um, but they were so stacked. Uh, first play looking across the, across the line is Joey Bosa. So I'm like, all right. you know, And, and we're just watching them all through film all week and breaking them down and, and seeing like really how good they are, how fast they were. Um, but yeah, they, they were, they were real good. Bosa, he was definitely the best player I've gone up against too. Um, Cause I, I would like to say that I was a good college football player. Um, and I held my own against a lot of people. Uh, I challenged a lot of different uh, guys but him, he was one where I was like, I'm, I'm a little out, out of my league here with this dude. Um, because I, I, all I remember is the very first play of the game, we were running a zone my side. She was just, just man-on-man blocking. Just got to um, get him out of there. And he's in a four-point stance, and like his arms are massive. I'm like, all right, you know, I've seen like big arms before. Like, not no big deal. And in my mind, I'm like, you know what? Screw this guy. I'm going to go up and I'm, I'm going to smoke him. Like I'm going to hit him as hard as I can. Like, like whatever. He, he's just, he's just a normal dude like me. He's just in a different color Jersey and a lot more fans. And I come off the ball as hard as I possibly could. And he just stoned me. And I'm like, Oh boy, we're in for it today. <laughs> and then he picked up, he picked up on our snap count within the first drive. Like it was really easy to know. Like our snap counts was red, white, and blue. It's like on one or if it's on, if it's red, it's on one. White, it's on two. Blue, it's on three. Type thing. So we could say whatever we want. Just we're just listening for the color to know what snap count is. And T, he got it. <laughs> Every, I mean, he, he was only what year? Because did he? When did Joey leave to go to the NFL? He, he was. I think that might have been his junior. Or no, no, no. I can't remember. I can't either because I know. Well, Nick only Nick Bosa only stayed for like I think two years, and then he was gone. I could yeah. be wrong about that as well, I but th- I think Joey want to. I want to say Joey stayed all four years because I don't think he really got into the picture until he was like a sophomore, junior, or something like that. Yeah, it was twenty sixteen. I don't know when he got drafted, but yeah, then he then he goes on to be NFL Defensive <laughs> Rookie of the Year. I'm like, no, no, no kidding. <laughs> Not too many people can really honestly say, "Hey, I blocked that guy one time." He yeah, may have I mean, stone cold me, like st- stood me straight up, but you know what? I still got I I, I got to block that guy. Yeah, I, I got mine a couple times, but he, I think he definitely won that game. <laughs> I don't think that's a battle that's uh, necessarily like a bad to admit that you lost. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he got me good. <laughs> Same with the, like Ego Ferguson, he played for uh, LSU, and that was my really like my true first start was against LSU. Um, oh, that's a hell of a first start. <laughs> it was the second second game of the season. Um, the first game we played a um, uh, w- like a, a smaller school, a um, FCS school, yeah. and so I, I kind of had that as my like my warm up game, and then we were right in the LSU. And I was like, oh boy, that that that's still by far the best. Um, sort of atmosphere that I played was was at LSU by far. Um, it was their first home game of the season. It was a night game, and then uh, like running out on the field, like the ground literally shook from all the booze that we were getting. And and it was a competitive game. Like we didn't get we didn't get blown out. I think it was like thirty to like fourteen something like that. Um, so the crowd was in it. 
you know, the whole game versus like when we played Ohio State, we lost by like 60. So like the, the crowd's out by, you know, halftime. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the crowds, the crowd stayed in it this, this whole game. So it was, it was fun. The, the loudest stadium by far was Penn State. That's what I was going to um, ask is like, what were some of the toughest stadiums that you've played in? Because obviously, you know, you've played some of these, you know, top notch schools, but like, what were they? Uh, Penn State was the loudest. Um, because we, we almost we we should. I say this, and everyone's like, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, right. It's like, no, we should have beat Penn State. Um, it was it was like fourth and two on the goal line, and the their student section is triple decker, so the so all three decks are just nothing but students. And when I say I couldn't, I couldn't hear a single thing. Our quarterback literally had to tell individually everybody individually what the play was. Then going up there, I mean, we're on silent snap counts. We, we can't hear a thing. Um, so that was the the loudest stadium. LSU was the best atmosphere, I would say. Um, the best experience was Ohio State just being local and growing up an Ohio State fan. Um, after that game, I didn't. I became not an Ohio State fan for other reasons. But um, uh, one place that drove me nuts was Illinois. When we played their their band, and it was their band that drove us nuts. Their band had speakers pointed directly at us, so their trumpets would be like right in front of the speakers and just blare all the time and just like deafen us the just the entire game. We couldn't hear anything, and it was just that loud like screeching trumpet pitch that you can't get out of your head. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. They were awful. I hated that game. I almost I felt like I was gonna die that game. <laughs> <laughs> I've always heard though, like that's why, you know, as an Ohio State fan, people are like, Oh, Penn State's not that good this year. And I'm like, or like whatever. Then maybe I don't know what they are like this year. I haven't I don't pay enough attention to college football anymore, but people Neither are like, oh, Penn State's not that good. And it's like but Ohio State's playing at Penn State on a night game. That doesn't like I don't think you guys understand. Penn State on a night game, especially makes it very hard for any team. Like that's oh, where yeah. you see the quarterback going up and literally walking from left tackle to right tackle yelling something. It's because nobody can hear a damn thing. It gets <laughs> loud there. The home field advantage is a, it's a real thing. Um the crowd gets on your side and then like you can feel the momentum going. You can it's like it's I don't know that superficial energy that you feel. Like it's real. It really is. I wanted to kind of go into, you know, it's more of a completely kind of separate thing compared to what we've been talking about, though. But I wanted to talk about, you know, you got to wear the number 54 and I wanted you to tell the story about it. I didn't even want to dive into it or anything because you're going to know the story about it. And I wanted you to kind of explain the story and why it was such an honor for you to wear number 54. Yep. So my junior year, I changed from number 55 to number 54. And um, the reason behind that is our starting center, uh, his name is Jason Bitsko. He wore number 54. And we were a week and a half out from our first game of the season. Week and a half out, um, finally getting prepped up for you know an actual opponent, an actual game. Uh, we're looking forward to hitting somebody else other than us. Uh, so exciting times. And then we go out to practice one day and we're like, where's bits go at? Like, what he's doing? I'm like, like that idiot slept in I'm like, all right, all right. And then like, he still didn't show up and we're like, all right, something just doesn't now something doesn't feel right a bit. 
So um, one of our coaches sent one of the GAs out to his apartment to go just go wake him up. And all we see is the GA come running onto the field and he just collapses in our coach's arms. And we're like, okay, the, like something definitely isn't, isn't going right here. And immediately all the coaches left, left the field. And we were just kind of out there on the field, like, like what the hell is going on? And I don't know, five minutes later, they, they come back to like everybody into the team room. Um, just keep your pads on, just, just go right in there. And they told us, they're like, Hey, let's go. He died in his sleep. And, um, it was, it was a huge shock to all of us. He, he was such a, a role model to everybody. He was, you know, the captain on our team. He was our starting center. He was the, the leader of the offensive line. And a week and a half before the season, you get that kind of news. Um, your best friend or your friend, your buddy, your brother going down like that, just out of nowhere. Um, took a total shock on everybody. So um, in, in his honor, and in, the tradition is still going on now, um, every year they give the number 54 to sort of the, you know, the most deserving offensive lineman, one who, you know, does the standard, is the standard for like how, how you want a teammate to be. Uh, so they pass that jersey down every, every year. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be the first one to get it. Um, it was a, a huge honor. It was kind of a numb feeling honor in a way uh because it, it's like how do you, how are you supposed to feel with that i guess is um it's sort of what was going through my head like how am i supposed to feel here like it feels weird and then i wore his number and then it's just like a more emotions come in so it's it's just it was just a elevated experience um to and an honor to be able to wear that and to represent him and to uh continue to carry that out Actually, this year I, I drove up to Kent and presented the next number fifty-four um, at their sort of ceremony every year. So that was that was an amazing thing. Got to speak to the team. I was only going to make it a five-minute thing, but I could kind of feel everybody, you know, trying to understand the story because the story's kind of left um, Kent a little bit. So I wanted to bring it back, and I sort of just like this, I went through the whole scenario, try to make it as real as possible, and just sort of looking around at these guys, saying, "Hey, like." look to your right, look to your left. Like this could be their last night. Like you never know. Um, don't take that for granted. Cause it's, it's a, this, this life's a little crazy sometimes. Um, and it, and it can hit you in the face real quick at any point. Um, so I just wanted to get that, that point across. And then of course, you know, honor the kid who got it, um, which is, which is really, really cool. And all, all the guys who got it after me, we still all connect and it's, it's a fun, fun time. I, I still talk to his mom quite a bit get Christmas cards, those, those type of things. I, I called her that night too. Um, when I went and spoke to the team, like, Hey, just got done with, with Kent, told him about Jason's story and, you know, those type of things. And, and she's great. Um, but yeah, that's sort of the story behind the 54 number. I want, I got to wear it. It was, a again, a, a really, really good, good honor to wear that. Yeah. It's, that'd be tough. Um, uh, to be honest, like, like you said, it's like, how am I supposed to react? Like, am I supposed to be excited? Am I supposed to still feel so, like, how are you supposed to take that in? And that's, it's definitely a tough feeling, but the, like the big thing, I feel like you did, a, like you kind of mentioned it in a roundabout way of, you know, it's an honor to wear this number because now it really, it, it's not that it didn't mean anything before, but now it truly means something like you are honoring somebody's life by wearing this jersey by wearing this number 
So it, I give you a lot of props, you know, for being obviously like you weren't selected for no rhyme or reason. Like you were selected because you were viewed as someone who was doing the right thing. Like the next, the next up essentially in a way. And uh, I give you a lot of credit for that. And that that's definitely not something that's easy to go through, but it's, I, I don't even know. I don't even really have words for it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But no, th- thank you. It was, um, that was by far the best honor I got all pretty well, pretty much my whole life was that it was, it was really, it's really special. It is going back kind of on a different note. One of the things that I wanted to ask you before we, you know, start to kind of go into some other stuff, but you know, as someone who, you know, grew up, it went to a school that like we've talked about, didn't necessarily know about going to the next level or never like have a bunch of athletes that go there. What is any advice that if you give any advice to an, a high school athlete right now who wants to move on to the next level, what would it be? Oof. I would say, um, and I say this to people, not just in football, outside of football at work. Um, and you could take this, pretty much to any situation is to learn a little bit more than a little bit about a lot to learn a little bit more than a little bit about a lot. So open up your scope, sort of how we mentioned earlier, knowing the game, understand the game. Don't just understand your position. Now you got to be proficient at your position for sure. Um, but then start slowly going you know further and understanding why the safeties move or understanding you know what your key is like if you're linebacker looking at the guards like why they're going that way like just understanding big picture on things and and it comes down to like even knowing what down it is can can go a far way Um, but knowing a little bit more let me tell you forgetting what down it is can hurt you a lot Done that plenty of times, believe. <laughs> no, and then and then just stay consistent. Um, stay consistent with what you're doing. Uh, it's it is a grind, man. Like it, there's going to be days where you just do not want to do this, or there's days where it, you're just not feeling it. You're totally out of your. You're just in a mental fog, but you just got to stay consistent and continue to do it because if you're not consistent. It's not going to help you out. Even when your motivation's not necessarily there, your consistency's got to be there. Um, because if you're consistent and that day you're not that motivated, well, at least you're consistent. And then if you're consistent and you're motivated, like it, it's just a, a double thing that, that brings you up. So consistency, take coaching. Don't be an idiot. Like, like <laughs> there's there's guys who just back talk coaches like they're not, I promise they're not there they're not your enemy they're, they don't want to lose either they see something in you if you're getting yelled at it's for a good reason the consistency like when you talked about the motivation and consistency I've made an episode kind of based off of that in a way it's that's the thing is you look at a, people that go to the gym how many times and I feel like we've all been through it how many times have you skip the gym you know one day but then you skip the gym the next day but then you skip the gym the next day and you kind of fall in this funk of where you just quit going to the gym it's honestly what happened to me i just quit i was like oh i'll go tomorrow oh i'll go tomorrow and then it just i'm not going anymore yeah. i canceled my gym membership because i realized i'm paying for something that i'm not even going to 
partially was I was busy and with work and everything. Uh, excuses, but also like I was like I'm getting enough work out of work. I'm I'm good. Um, but it's the consistency. If you're consistent, it makes up for the lack of motivation. The times that you don't want to go do something are the times where it is most important to go do it because otherwise you're going to literally fall into a funk of this habit, this negative habit. If you don't just, just stay consistent, whatever it is, just stay consistent. You know, like reading a book, tell yourself, I'm going to read 10 pages a day. It's not that much, 10 pages a day. But if you, you were like, Oh, I'm not going to read today. And then it turns because I always told myself I would never skip the gym more than two days. Like, like I wouldn't, I'd one day break and that's it. But if you skip two days, then usually it turns into a habit of, I'm just not going to go. You have to, the consistency will make up for the lack of motivation. Yeah. Or you, or you try to, you know, like, well, I'm just going to work out really, really hard today. Then I'll be good. Like the rest of the week. It's like, it, it doesn't like, is it better than nothing? Sure. But I always compare it to like brushing your teeth. Like if you brush your teeth, you know, say you're supposed to brush your teeth in the morning at night every single day. So you brush your teeth 14 times a week. Like you can't just brush your teeth 14 times in one day and expect to be good the rest of the week. Like, you know what I mean? Like you gotta, you gotta stay consistent with that. And, and like, even if you want, you know, and if you want like pearly white teeth, you can't just do that for one week. Like you got to do that on weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And that's where you're going to see the results. Finally, it's a, it's a, it's a patience game to tell everybody you got, you got to be patient, got to be consistent with this. But I feel like this is a perfect time to move into uh, the, what is it? RB performance. Is that what it's called now? Yep. So RB performance. Yeah. So, um, so right out of, in college, like after, so I took a pretty serious injury in college that pretty much ended my career. Um, had a good chance, had a, a realistic chance to, to make it to the, to the next level, um, from college, whether that be some of the agents had me day two draft picks. Some of the agents were closer to free agency draft pick kind of who knew. Um, but I was kind of naive to it. I was like, ah, you know, I, I think I'm like, I'm going to make the league. Wasn't really necessarily thinking about the next job or whatever. Um, and then, um, once I got hurt and things ended, you know, eight month sort of rehab on a hip. Um, so I, I was kind of panicked and I needed a job. So I just, I just called my dad up because he worked at, uh, this net chest place. I'm like, Hey, they hire and by chance I need a job. Like, <laughs> and so I got in and, and I just got really, really lucky. I'm, I'm extremely fortunate to be at that place. Um, but it, it's in the aviation world. I knew nothing about the aviation world. I, and I went to school to be, um, in kinesiology in human movement. I just love how the body works and how it moves and how you can make things better, how, um, you could do that. And then with all my, I had three total surgeries and cause of football. So I, that got me really into sort of the physical therapy side of things. Um, so that's when Brittany, my wife and I decided to create our own company and, and uh, do personal training is really what it was just a personal training company. Um, and we train all kinds of different people from brand new beginners. They've never been into the gym before to, um, I had a couple division one athletes who worked out with me during over the summer, uh, before they went on to school. One was a wrestler. One was a, a football player, uh, before they went off to, you know, their first years at college. Um, so it, it really depends. I love all, 
all of it. Um, my, my biggest sort of thing I hang my hat on is, is just stability and longevity. That's what I'm looking for is I need to make sure before you're, you're touching a barbell, a, you know, any heavy dumbbells, anything like that, I'm making sure your joints are okay. Do you have good mobility within your shoulders or your, is everything secured enough up for me to feel comfortable to put you under there? Like you might feel comfortable. I'm like, no, just put me on a squat rack. Like I, I can squat or I can bench. I can do whatever. Like, no, 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 no. We're going to make sure you're stabilized everywhere else. Before we do that, I'm not trying to get anybody hurt. Um, they don't want to get hurt and, or, or they don't want to get hurt again. Um, I got a kid. He had three ACL surgeries. Um, you probably know him, Robbie, uh, Robbie Montagni. Montagni. Yep. yep. My girlfriend actually had three ACL surgeries as well. Yeah. Jeez. So yeah, so he was super unfortunate with that. Um, but he, he reached out. So I definitely wanted to hone in on his knee, make sure everything was good. And, um, he's been with me for a while now, but it's just, it's so interesting seeing different people and seeing different lifestyles. Um, because we, we are so against the cookie cutter type apps out there where they're just like, here's a list of all these workouts you can do. It's like, not everybody should be doing those workouts mm-hmm. or can do those workouts or have time to do those workouts or have the equipment to do those workouts. Uh, so we really focus in on personalizing everybody's situation, um, whether I want to get stronger or else I want to lose weight or, you know, I got a bad knee those type of things. And, you know, I can only work out at home. I do have gym access. There's so much to it. Um, and it's so fascinating. Uh, again, that's what I went to school for. That's what I love to do. I did um, a bunch of internships with our strength and conditioning program when I was at, when I was at camp. So I learned that side of the business too. And, um, and Brittany, she's been wanting to compete for forever. She was just about to compete and then got pregnant. <laughs> And then we had our first kid and then got through the first kid. Just and she's about to pee. Up, didn't you? <laughs> what? <laughs> she's too hot, man. <laughs> and then, uh, then after our first kid, she went after it again. We got pregnant again. So it's like, <laughs> so now we're at a point. I made sure we weren't going to get pregnant again. I got the old, <laughs> the old snip, but <laughs> now she's uh, looking to, she's going to do a show probably in March. Um, so she's very much into it. So that, that makes it easier. We're just kind of a tandem group, um, bouncing ideas off of each other. Uh, I, I'm more of the workout program programming type guy. She's more of the nutritionist and, and those, those types that we complement each other really well. She brings in a different type of clientele than I bring in and she does things different than I do. Like I suck on social media. Like I'm just not a social media dude. Uh, I she's see all, her about post all the time. All I see oh, yeah. every once in a while from you is the Reno's rant, which I wanted to get into, <laughs> but I'll let you finish before we get into Reno's rants. <laughs> yeah. So, and, so it's just a, it's a good combo that we have. And then we, we actually did a mentorship program um, through a company called IFCA. And it was just a big mentorship, and really, what they taught was um, just all the all the the bullshit stuff that you didn't you don't even think about when trying to start a business. All the back end systems, you know, the small apps that are just going to help you out, the time saving things, the you know, expectation, just you know, sales talks, like that kind of stuff. It was definitely worth it um, to do that because it did save us a ton of time being able to just mainly just those back end systems that just um, made things a lot easier for us and made a lot, 
made it a lot easier for our clients too. Um, but it's, it's fun right now. I'm not taking a ton of clients uh, just because I just took a different position at my work. Um, so I still got to figure that out. Then I'll open up a bit. I'm going to have a lot more free time now with this position. So I'll, I'm going to be open up my, my doors quite a bit. Brittany's been taking on a lot of clients. Now she's really starting to boom. Um, people are starting to recognize the, the work that we're putting in and see the results that we're giving people. So it's, it's, it's exciting times. It really is. Well, who knows what can happen from here. Well, that's the thing too. You guys have a, a hell of a home. Is that a home gym that you guys got? Like where you guys work out most of the time? You guys yeah. have a hell of a setup. Yeah. So we, uh, it was, and we got really lucky here because I always wanted to have like a home gym or a garage gym type thing. Um, because I just hated the, the amount of time that it took me to drive to the gym and drive back. Like that's a real thing. Um, so I, I decided to just build my own gym and we just did it in our garage and we just started buying and buying and buying and just small Before things. You go too much further. I wanted to ask yeah. too, because I feel like, cause that you mentioned like, you know, the time to drive to the gym, drive back. I feel like that's one of the things did that, that <clears throat> you were obviously already somebody that somebody that was committed and like consistent with it. But did that make it easier to go work out having the home gym? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, now, do, now I definitely miss the gym atmosphere. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I miss, I do miss that. And a couple of the machines that they have in there, like I, I don't have those. So yes, I do envy the gym still uh, quite a bit. <laughs> but I'm, I'm very happy with what we have, and that we have just enough. Um, and and we don't need to get like crazy with the amount of things we buy either um just you know you get just and i started sort of a series on my social media like hey like home gym items you should buy and you should not buy like it's real simple people want to get crazy with a lot of the stuff and you don't have to get crazy you know you give me a red little mini band like i can put you through hell or body weight God, I did not realize that until college. That in college they were like, "Hey, we're doing a band workout." I'm like, "A band workout? Okay." What the hell? Twenty minutes later, I'm like laying on the floor dead. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what it is. So we just started piecing together um, different pieces of equipment. We got lucky because we bought the bulk of our stuff not two weeks before COVID hit or before all the shutdowns happened. So we were like, oh, thank God, like we, we did this, like we have a, we have a gym to go to. Um, so we got lucky in that aspect and slowly just picking pieces apart. And really it's about like what our clients need too. like um, some of the athlete guys, like I want to have box jump or I want to have boxes. I want to have, you know, bands. I want to have, you know, some of those Bosu balls, those type of things just for their t- specific training. So I'll buy that to put in because I know they're going to use it because I want them to use it. What are the goals that you see with, you know, like, where do you want this RV performance to go? We would love to open up a gym, um, like a full scale gym. And whether that be private public, we don't, we don't really know. Uh, whether it be like, kind of like friends and family only, or open it up to the public type gym. We're not sure. Uh, still trying to figure all that out. Um, but just, a it's just a, a, a time thing. Make sure we're dedicating time to, make realistic goals and make a realistic business plan and um ensure we have the funds to do this we want to look for you know any investor type stuff sponsorship stuff so that's that's really the end goal i think is to have a have an actual up and running gym and i see Pataskla as a huge market um 100%. because 100 <laughs> percent 
it's a, it's a it's a massive market. There's real no true gym in Pataskala. Like there's a couple other strip mall stuff. And like nothing against those guys either. Um, but there's just a, like a couple strip malls. Like you got old school over in like um, that's over in, in Grand Granville over now. in Granville now, in a, right? In, or uh, yeah, invite only, isn't it? Yeah, so that so that's in Granville. So they moved out of Pataskala. So that just opened up Pataskala even more. Um, and now we got Intel moving in there in like the Johnstown, New Albany area. We have the Amazon warehouses over here, the Coles, like massive buildings, massive infrastructure, and massive amounts of people moving into this area that I think it, it could just be a, a good, you know place to to set up shop. I do, but it's just it's just gonna take a little bit of time. We we want to move quick, but we want to move smartly too. Don't want to jump into something, you know, another uh, COVID happened and not be prepared for it. Yeah, that's very big. I feel like a big piece of advice business wise is you want to move fast, but you want to move like, you know, smartly. Like you can't just rush into it without knowing what you're doing. You got to have a plan. You got to, you know, you got to kind of figure it out before you just jump into it. Like you have to know what you're doing. You can't just dive all in because like that's usually where people end up failing is they just jump into it and don't know exactly where they're going to go with it you got to be smart about it yep exactly and that's why we kind of moved into like the online sector too like taking a lot of online clients as well just kind of figure that portion out we we figured out the in-person um quite a bit we're getting more equipment here and there so it's it's slowly building up to to a spot where I think one day we're going to be able to pull the trigger. I wanted to, before we go into the final segments of the podcast, I got to ask about Reno's rants. I I want you to kind of explain what Reno's rants are, because every time that I like, I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see that you pop up and it says Reno's rants. And I'm like, Oh, I'm watching this. This is definitely worth my time. (laughs) So it, it started because like I said, I, I suck with social media. Like I do, like I try to, I try to make things so cute and, you know, have a good caption and have a good video or have a good picture. And I'm like, screw it. You know what? I'm going to turn the camera facing me and I'm just going to talk like whatever's, whatever's on my mind. And I never know what's really going to pop up into my head. A lot of it's like a lot of them. You'll see me just driving. And uh, because like when I'm driving, I just think like my mind just spins and I think I'm like, Ooh, you know what? Like, let me just talk about this real quick. So I'll just hop on and just start ranting i guess about <laughs> who knows i try to keep it you know fitness related but um other stuff i'll i'll just jump in it could be life kids whatever um i, I enjoy those Brittany, Brittany tells me i'm an idiot but yeah that's all right <laughs> <laughs> definitely check out reno's rants on instagram it's it's, it's just worth your time <laughs> <laughs> i'm an idiot like i'll put that up there. <laughs> uh <laughs> But we're going to move into some of the final segments of the podcast. And one of the final questions that I like to ask all of my podcast guests are, um, before we get into Motivation Monday, I wanted to ask you, if you were 16 and could go back in time and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? Ooh, I would say um, bring more people with you. So bring, uh, I would say, bring more people along with you. Sort of, I was a huge leader by example. Um, wasn't necessarily the raw raw guy or anything. Um, 
from any sport or any activity that I did, um, which is showing them to sort of how to work and how those, those small details are important. Um, bring them with me. I have a lot of buddies who like, I, I look at now and like, I said, like, I wish I would have stayed connected more with them or, um, you know, I wish I would have, you know, taught them something or, you know, show them a different path. Cause the, you know, I look and some of them weren't fortunate. Like I was very fortunate. Both my parents, um, raised me really well and seeing some of them not in the best scenarios. It's like, I can, I could have grabbed them and, and brought them on a little bit more, I think. So hanging on to a couple, couple people, I would say 16 year old me, like, Hey, that guy, you see him over there. Don't be, or go and talk to him and learn more about them. I, I, I always try to not be anybody's enemy, should say, and to I, I try to make more friends, bring more people with you. You never know what somebody's going through is something that I feel like that we've heard a lot. And, you know, I feel like sometimes we see it and we might know it's the right thing to do, but we don't do it. Like when we're uh, like at that age of 16, like, you you know, there's always those kids in high school that if you wouldn't talk to people would like think differently of you or be like, yep. why are you talking to them? But like you said, if you'd have done it, you never know what would have happened. Like it could have changed their path because every, not everybody's as fortunate as what you have. Like it, the, the whole saying of, oh, you think you have it bad. Somebody has it worse. It is true. Somebody has it worse than you. Like every single day, every person that you meet, they probably, most people have it worse than you. So you, you never know what people are going through. You should treat everybody like that. And I feel like that's something like, you know, what you said, bring people with you. That's something you learn with age. And it's hard to, it's so hard to tell a 16 year old that like bring people with you. But like if a 16 year old listens to that, like they will go far in life. They have a bright future it's amazing how interesting people are too. Like um, you may not talk to that person, but then you go and talk to them and you kind of find out like their way of thinking, their way of life, their way of working, their way of whatever. And it, it opens your mind like, ah, like I really like how they do that. Or um, then you open up to them and you guys just kind of bounce things off. I've, I've learned that a lot in my current job. I've uh, been in management for the past couple of years now. And having direct reports and looking at them. And, and I've, I've realized it's not necessarily about the work that they're doing. It's learning who they are as a person and then tailoring their work to how they are, because it's, you can take someone's strengths and say, well, you're really good at this. Why don't we, you know, but you're weak at this. Let's work on your weaknesses instead of necessarily looking at, Hey, you're really good at this. Let's keep leveraging this because um, you're really, anyway, I'm ranting again, but, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's fun getting to know people. I drive Brittany nuts because now I've taken such an approach of, I want to talk to everybody and learn everything up there is to know about certain people, <laughs> whether that's like our waitress at a restaurant or, you know, whoever it may be, I'm always just trying to dig into people's lives, not in a nosy way, but just because I find it fascinating that I do. I love just talking to people. Well, like you said, I really like what you said about, like, you know, let's not just focus in on, like, these are your strengths. Let's see how we can use them. Your weaknesses are opportunities to grow. They're not a weakness. Like, yes, they're a weakness now, but they are opportunities to grow. 
and you might you might use some of your strengths to you know leverage your weakness but like the more i feel like you've talked about it earlier like the more you know the better it's going to help you it's the same thing of don't just play one position in high school because the more positions you play because like look you never necessarily played offensive line in high school and you went to a D1 college and played offensive line like you the but the more you know the more it's going to help you in the future exactly man it's a uh, it's it's crazy there there's so much to know there there's not a day where you can go like it, it's your choice not to learn something more there's always yeah. something else to learn Yes, there is. And with that, that moves us into the final segment of the podcast, which is Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday is the point in the episode where I allow the guests to give the Roughnecks listeners a little inspirational bump to set the tone for their week as they listen on Monday morning. So what do you got, Reno, for Motivation Monday? All right. I think, I think I'm just going to say what I said earlier. Learn a little bit more than a little bit about a lot. Be an open book. Be curious to know uh, as much as you can. It, it's going to do nothing but help you out. Um, it's going to lead you into good directions. It's going to lead you into directions you know you're not supposed to go down or that you're not necessarily interested in anymore. Um you know, in, in my, in my position, I've taken six different positions that I've been there for six years. And that's just because I kept wanting to learn more and learn more. And then I learned, you know, I don't really like that side of it. Like, but because I opened up to different sides, like, Ooh, I do like that side. I want to pursue that side. And that could be with work. That can be with sports. That could be with just life in general. Um, just learning a little bit more than a little bit about a lot. It's easier to to dig a one foot hole a mile wide than it is to dig a, a um, one foot wide hole a mile deep, you know, go, go, go wide and then grasp things because it's, it's an interesting world. Be an open book. You kind of, that was one of the things that you said that like stuck with me through all that was be an open book. And here's the thing is like, when you're an open book, here's the other thing that you need to realize is you're going to mess up. You're going to have, failures per se throughout this you're gonna have things that don't necessarily go your way and that's okay because <laughs> they're it's, like you said you just learned oh like oh this isn't something that i want to go into but you know this over here is also something that i kind of feel like I, I might like you never know when you're gonna find what works for you you're, you're gonna mess up you're gonna have failures but those aren't like failures per se they're learning opportunities that is always what i've said on this podcast you're gonna mess up you're gonna fail but there's not a failure because every failure you learn from you don't know it's a failure unless you realize oh hey that didn't work i shouldn't do that again no different than touching the stove when it's hot you learn that as a kid hey that's hot i shouldn't touch that again otherwise i get burnt you're gonna have mess ups you're gonna have failures but they're learning opportunities that's right and just and just really just be the best you you know so don't be just comparing yourself to others. You know, if if you want it, be the best version of you is really what it is. Keep keep that little kid inside of you alive. Keep things interesting. 
I like that. Keep that little kid. It reminds me of uh, the stepbrothers, uh, be a dinosaur, whatever. (laughs) It's true. Like, it really is. You know, a stupid, funny movie, one of my favorite movies. But it's, you know, it's true. Like, just be the best version of you because we live in such a social media world where we try to keep up with the Joneses or whatever it is. But just, just be yourself. Just be who you are. And it'll work out in the end. Don't try to compare yep. yourself to others. You're not better than the next person, and the next person isn't better than you. Just be you. Got it. You got it. But with that, I think that's a wrap on this episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. Reno, thank you so much for coming on. Do you want to throw your tags in so that people can follow you on social media? Oh gosh. Um you see, here's my point. I don't I don't <laughs> let, let me look at my tag real quick. What is it? Well, if you just search Reno Rita um, on you know Instagram or even on TikTok, like you'll you'll find. There's not. I don't know any other Reno Ritas out there. <laughs> I don't so, either. But I'll I'll put them in the episode description as well if you guys want to go follow them. Good deal. Uh, I'll try to do more rants. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, that's a wrap on this episode of the Roughnecks podcast. You guys know the deal. Until Friday. Life is hard and it's going to knock you down just like a bull does to a bull rider. Don't let that bull of life walk all over you. Get up, grab the bull by the horns, and take control of your life. Roughnecks. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the Roughnecks podcast. If you like today's episode, then be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with a friend if you got some value from it. Head over to social media and follow the Roughnecks podcast on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to that YouTube channel. Don't forget to get you some of that merch by heading over to roughneckspodcast.com and subscribe to the newsletter while you're there. See you all next week. Roughnecks out.